It's time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. Like the man said, I'm Ken Chester, and you are tuned to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. I'm so glad you decided to join us. This hour, I share a rent-worthy moment about car reviews, investigate insurance claims of luxury cars, and talk about Amazon's driverless car program. Yeah, it's a thing. All that and some rummaging around for news items from the parts bin. But first, let's say hi to my roadworthy drive crew. First, my friend and executive producer, Jack, faithfully at the controls, and Sasha, our very own social media diva, holding it down on mic two. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hello, and how are things? Good. No meetings with the suits this week? Um, yes, there was a meeting with the suits. Again? Again? Yes. And? And we'll have, basically, when you start the next segment, mm-hmm. um, I will, you will basically find out what the suits said to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, but Did I Did you talk to am. the snoo- suits about snacks? Uh, no. No snacks. I would be happy for, like, a quality chair to sit in. <laughs> that's, that's asking too much. I, uh, hey, the suits, could you do that when you have no, the meeting? No, I need to find a theme to Frozen and go, let it go! <laughs> <laughs> Not happening. Now, time for the parts bin. Let's and, go. Well, almost. Uh, as always, you're invited to join in on this conversation. Bless you. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline. That's 872 222 Nine seven nine three, or send me an email, and that's Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. Either way, it will connect you to the show. We'd love to hear from you. Now, I if I was ready and dependent, I'd Wait have a all this he out. He said he wasn't ready. I know, I know right? But what in the world? That is a first. Wait a minute. Are, do we have some problem with the space-time continuum? I'm thinking Wait. that we're in a parallel universe, oh, exactly. Okay, people. It's invasion of the pod people. <laughs> all right. Since, since they're being so smart alecky about it, what if I told you math says you're driving wrong? What? Math says you're driving wrong. Are you saying math, M-A-T-H, or M-A-P? No, no, no. Math, M-A-T-H, as math. in the new math, the old math. As in 4 plus 7 is? 11. Yes. Thank you. Okay. That math. Um, a new study published in Science Magazine by the Institute of Electrical and, and Electronic Engineers, they say that you are not keeping the right distance from the car behind you. Huh? Yes. Wait a minute. The last time I checked, I have no control over any other vehicle on the road with me except the one that I'm driving. Yeah. Doesn't that sound a little counterintuitive? Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the IEEE study, mathem- they, they've created a mathematical model. Uh, that discuss the implications of the problem. The math says if everyone kept an equal distance uh, between cars ahead and behind, all spaced out in orderly fashion, that the traffic would actually move twice as quickly. The good news for you, Jack, is that a number of current vehicles are equipped with what they call adaptive cruise control. In fact, I bet, does your truck have adaptive cruise control? You know, I honestly don't know. You need to find that out. It's a new truck. Yes, it is. uh, Which has the ability to do that. To achieve this mathematical perfection, they say, uh, the study reasons that by adding sensors to the rear 
and engineering the adaptive cruise control system to achieve their word equidistance on its own, we could resolve the problem. The good news? Nissan and Audi already have basic systems on the road which can do just that. Okay, but how many vehicles are on the road that don't have this? And number two, their theory does not work because in this state, in this month alone, we've had two major wrecks on an interstate Mm -hmm. caused by bad weather. And people getting too close. Mm -hmm. I won't argue that point. Imagine a world where your systems could keep you equidistant. Yes, we call that the self-driving car. Uh, we're heading towards that, but right now, with driver assistance systems for being more and more common in more and more cars, you may get there before the self-driving car with adaptive cruise control. Well, but the thing, like I said before, you have so many vehicles that are on the road right now that don't even have that technology in them. Uh, yeah, but is it the basic rule of thumb? Like when I was getting my driver's license, it's two car lengths. Well, actually, actually, actually it was four seconds. Actually, it's, it is one car length. For every 10 miles an hour, you're driving. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In other words, if you're doing 50 miles an hour. You need five, five car, car lengths. lengths. Yeah. Now, the reality, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> right. Just saying. Um, let's go on to something else. Okay. Uh, how about voice command systems are good for older drivers? Yes. That I would believe. That, that means you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Look, son, you're older than I am. That, shh. Don't tell all my secrets, man. <laughs> A new study by researchers from the Institute for the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety and the Massachusetts Institute for Technology's Age Lab compared two current voice systems offered by automakers with 80 drivers aged 20 to 66 years old. That's now. These are systems that are in vehicles now. The study focused on the driver's attention to the road while ongoing uh, through the steps of making a voice-activated phone call. Yeah, I can talk, as she said. The researchers found that, in general, distraction grew with the age of the driver. But the single voice command system, in other words, make a phone call, name, and it dials, eliminated the age-related decreases in attention to the forward road. In fact, the single voice command approach resulted in drivers of all ages keeping their eyes on the road some 85% of the time. Now, I can vouch for that. Unlike one... Um, of a major luxury automaker that they also compared to, okay, uh, that you had to go through various steps, which meant you had your eyes off the road for a longer period. Well, with, with my truck, I am able to say, push the button that says, please say a command, and I will say, call Leanne. My wife, my and wife's it new, will call Leanne. My wife's new little uh, crossover does the same thing. She's tickled pink. Oh, yeah. She can talk to it, call me. Talk to it and call anybody. Okay, now I have a question about that. You said in that study that the older the individual, mm. the more distracted they were. I would have thought younger drivers were more distracted by not, the cell phone. Ne- not, not with ne- technology. Not necessarily ah. because of what he just said with technology because they use this stuff so much that this is second, second nature, nature to them yeah. now. Yeah, okay. but, uh, but as older people, we're getting used to it. Mm-hmm. So let me throw this at you. Okay. Uh, while we're on that subject, uh, your mood influences what you drive. No. Yeah. I will agree with that. So, actually, let me ask you, Jack. Okay. What kind of mood are you in? Well, do you, do you consider yourself uh, of a positive social mood right now? Yes. That's a good thing. Um, this survey was uh, 
uh, the fellow who uh, did the survey was Murray Gunn, head of global research at Elliott Wave International. They study this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the connection between social mood and what we drive, one example of socioeconomic theory. It is believed that our collective mood affects events or trends or even what the automakers build. Now, there's four things that he talks about. Speed. When we're feeling good, we want to go fast. So more cars in the marketplace that go very fast. Uh, Even, for example, he even mentions a Toyota Camry uh, offering a 300-horsepower six-cylinder Camry that can get drivers from zero to 60 in less than six seconds. And that's two seconds faster than the four-cylinder Camry. Okay. Size. Um, Another indicator. When you're in a good mood, you want something bigger. Uh, SUVs and, I don't know, pickup trucks. Yep. Like maybe quad cab pickup trucks. Super cruised, yes. Yeah, just saying. Kind of like yours. Yeah. Yeah. Even the 2019 Kia Forte, a compact sedan, was 3.2 inches longer, the brand new Forte. So cars grow in size as we are in a better mood. However, debt, unfortunately, if you're in a better mood, you're more willing to go into debt for a longer period. And last year, our total auto loan debt in the United States topped, wait for it, $1.2 trillion. That is with a T, sir. I know. Um, And then finally, color. When you're in a good mood, you want bright colors. No. Uh, that's what they say. That's what the survey says, no. along with, and this kind of threw me, black, white, and silver. Okay. I'm if you, a little thrown there. You've seen my pickup. I have. That is a brand new color. Yeah, it's not gray. Yeah. It's, I, a, it's a brand new color gray, but the last pickup I had was black, mm-hmm. which I absolutely adored. Uh-huh. They talked about but, this, black or silver. But the thing is... When I look at that truck, mm-hmm. depending upon how the light hits it, sunlight mm-hmm. and street lights and the rest of it, mm-hmm. it changes colors. Oh, my goodness. Changes colors so you get more than one color going on. Pretty much. Oh, my. Well, you know, when we come back, I'm going to have a rant-worthy moment, and I want you to know I'm due. It's time. And after that, luxury cars have the highest collision losses. Duh. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Go to roadworthydrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. ultimate driving machine and if you don't know what that means you're excused but if when you see this car you're seized with an uncontrollable urge to plant yourself behind the wheel and head for the wide open spaces then we're talking to you the great one is an idea on wheels the idea that there's more to driving than just moving from place to place in isolated indifference The great one is 400 cubic inches of glistening engine. The great one is a superb road handling chassis. The great one is bucket seats, carpeting, and a walnut-styled instrument panel. 
great one is Pontiac GTO for 1967. Isn't it time you decided to ride the wide track winning streak? The great one is here. If you're just joining us, this is Roadworthy Drive, and I'm Ken Chester. Before I start this particular rant, full disclosure, I've been writing car reviews myself for print and online media for the better part of 30 years. And perhaps it may be due to which that is the underlying reason uh, for the following rant. Well, at least I at least you can't say I didn't warn you. Now, I told you earlier uh-huh. that I had a message from the suits. Uh-huh. Here it goes. Uh-huh. The following rant is Ken Chester's and Ken Chester's alone. Views expressed do not reflect the editorial comment of me, Sasha, the suits, or your radio station. <laughs> now go. Wow. Is that harsh? Wow. Okay. Remind me to have a word with the suits. Um, I had gotten back from Chicago Auto Show, and I was reading an online review of a gentleman who was talking about a particular car, a particular family-sized car. Okay. And he lamented the fact that, oh, you know, people must not care about this car that they buy because it's boring and doesn't, you know, doesn't go all that fast and... Oh my goodness! And I can went, you tell us which car it is? Um, hold that thought. All right, I'm going to come full circle. All right. Now, the reason why I got all kinds of crazy is because you know it's nice as a, I mean, as an automotive journalist, I have access to a lot of vehicles in the course of a year. I drive mm-hmm. a lot of things um, from the least expensive to a lot that are over a hundred thousand dollars, and everything in between. I drive cars, trucks. Minivans, God forbid, um, crossovers, all sorts of things. Here's a news flash: most of us hardworking Americans that need to get from point A to point B don't always want a Lamborghini to drive to work. No, that's true. Um, what we want, I want it to be reliable. I want it to look decent in my driveway. I want it to start when I need it to start, go when it needs to go, get decent fuel economy. And get me home day after day, week after week, year after year. I want it to uh, be able to have my entertainment systems, whether I have um, um, a pot, an iPod or a phone or a USB drive, whatever. Or XM satellite radio. Or XM or, or Sirius satellite radio, yep. either one. Uh, and that's pretty much all I want. But I want the thing to be reliable. Do I need the thing to burn rubber from a stoplight? No. Do I need to be able to beat anything else on the road? No. The only thing that I need a vehicle to be is everything you said about one other thing. If for somehow I get in a jam, my fault or not, I want to be able to step in the gas and know she's going to go. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Um, drove back from Chicago. Right. In a brand new Toyota Camry hybrid. Okay. Nice, quiet, solid, comfortable car. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to win any road races. But you know what? Car got me home, 359 miles, no problem, Mm -hmm. which is what I expected. And I would expect that car to do that for years at a very low cost. Um, The writer did acknowledge that Toyota did sell 370,000 Camrys last year. That's a lot of vehicles. That's a lot of Camrys. Uh, May I add, all built in the United States. Thank you very much. Yep. Georgetown, Kentucky. The vehicle I'm driving now. Mm-hmm. Which only added to my rant. Again, 
it's the smallest thing that this automaker makes. Um, it's an entry-level car. I found it extremely well-equipped, peppy, comfortable, solid, relatively quiet, and uh, embarrassingly well-equipped. Um, it is a four-cylinder, six-speed automatic, power steering, power brakes, air conditioning, rear window defroster, power doors, power door locks, rear window, I'm sorry, rear, uh, rear view camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my USB port, um, decent interior lighting, comfortable seats. Um, and like I said, it looked good. What do you think it would cost? If knowing that vehicle, I'm probably going to say middle twenties. No, no. How much? This one sticker price. Okay. $17,000. Wow. Did I mention sticker price? And you know, back in the day. Mm hmm. My first car that I bought brand new mm -hmm. was ten thousand dollars. Yeah. My first car brand new was sixty two fifty three. Yep. It was a nineteen eighty Plymouth Horizon TC three two door four speed on the floor AM FM radio rear window defroster um, power steering no air. Yep. Bought it in Massachusetts. Compared to the car I'm driving now, this thing's a luxury sedan. Not, yes, and not only that, too, but now at $17,000, that's a little bit, and I don't know this for a fact, it's just an opinion, that 17000 for a car is a really good place to go put your teenager in. And guess what? You can buy that car for less. If you're willing to shift some gears, Yep. $14,995. Wow. If you want a manual. Yep. Yeah. And that's the only difference between this. This is the entry-level trim. There are two trim levels higher than this. That would probably see you in your like your mid twenties, like if you no, you over. wouldn't even be that high. No, you don't think that low twenties. They... Wow. Well, but even low, low even low twenties, still, still pretty good. doggone you, good. You'd yeah. be maxed out probably about twenty three four. If and you it's put not an automaker that you would be scared to put your child in. Yeah, no. and this thing. Oh, did I mention uh, analog brakes? Yep. Did I mention traction control, stability control, all your airbags, including your side airbags, your curtain airbags, all of that. In this car. And I'll tell you what it is. I, and I am I would be proud to drive this thing myself and put it in my driveway. It's a brand new 2018 Hyundai Accent SE four-door sedan. It looks good. It rides good. And it's indicative of all of this luxury that's coming down. Stuff that we would have had to buy a compact car, a mid-size car, a full-size car. Or a subcompact car. Well, you wouldn't even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen this kind of luxury. In a car that small. This nope. is a subcompact. Yep. And you would not find what's in this car at the base trim level. And I know you classify this as a subcompact, but honestly, I mean, I would have no problem fitting all of my children in there. Yeah. And I mean, it, and it runs real well. Computers galore. And, it, and Hyundai is a solid car. Yes, not it is. Not to mention the killer warranty. Yes. Yep. And that warranty is something for that else, alone, let me tell you. Yeah. I killer for my warranty kids. people. So, so I said all that to say, you know, it's not about the speed. It's about everything else. And I guess that's why I was ranting. When I return, luxury cars top the list of models with high collision losses. <laughs> and you're tuned. This is Roadworthy Drive. RoadworthyDrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. 
Welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. We're on the downhill side of this hour, and we're glad you dropped by. For those of you who want or need more than your fair share of the road, check out the show website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. We've recently overhauled the site just for you. It's easy to navigate, easy to find the things you want, from audio clips of past shows, video clips of our behind-the-scenes antics in studio, and more. And trust me on the antics, by the way. Heavy on the antics. Heavy. The website is also the perfect place to discover Roadworthy Drive in the universe of social media. Sasha posts automotive topics and technologies that you will find interesting and entertaining. See how she puts the social in our social media. Regular listeners know that I often refer to information and studies that have been produced by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, better known as, by its initials as the IIHS. Their research and advocacy for automotive safety continue to bear fruit even some 50 years after their original founding. And again, for this segment, I turn to a recent IIHS report that should raise concerns, and I'm going to ask this question. And I'm going to even ask it of Sasha and Jack. Do you have enough insurance to reflect the higher cost of vehicles currently on the road? I would think that I do because I had to obtain full coverage. Okay, but here's the challenge. Mm. You may have coverage on your vehicle. Yep. But do you have the collision coverage in a high enough amount that if you should hit a $60,000 Mercedes, an $80,000 Bentley, Oh, my God, a $90,000 Lincoln Navigator. Or a Tesla. Uh, or a Tesla Model S, a P100D with ludicrous mode. Oh. Ludicrous speed. Um, do you have the coverage? <laughs> you know, I don't know. And here's why I ask. In this state, the coverage minimums are minimum. Mm -hmm. And you can buy the insurance so legally you have insurance but you don't have enough insurance. And, in fact, my agent personally says they won't write them at that level. Well, and they're they smart for not. They refuse to write them at that level. And they're smart for doing that. It, for that exact reason. And any competent insurance agent would do that. Now, I could get online for my state, state minimums, to be legally in compliance. But here's something most people may not realize. Do you know that if your insurance policy is insufficient and you're at fault, in some in a in a collision, that they can come after you for the difference. Yep. Even with insurance. Yep. Yeah, S saying you've got thirty thousand dollars worth of collision insurance, and the damage you caused in an accident is sixty thousand, doesn't mean you're not liable for that other thirty. You are, even though you have insurance, and that's kind of what started me on this segment. You know, because I believe that you can be legal and still insufficient. Yep. And, and especially when you're talking about a ninety to $100,000 Lincoln Navigator or even the high expensive. Cadillac Escalade. Or the, or the expensive pickup truck. Yeah. Ford well, F-150 Platinum Edition. Mm-hmm. Well, Platinum's only about 60, 70, but that's still a lot hey, of money. By the time you get it fully equipped, you can be out at 85. Okay. Yeah. Go well, ahead, and when, Didn't we do a show on be, being underinsured? We talked about that. We talked about gap insurance, yeah. in fact. And, and you know what? I think one of the things we need to do, I think we need to find a insurance agent to talk to. I think I know one. I know one, too. You being a car guy, yeah, you know some insurance? That. I do. <gasps> Stop he's, it, He's you. got somebody. I, <laughs> he's I got, got a, a guy. I got a guy. Yeah, exactly. I got a guy. Here's something that will blow your mind. Um, 
the AIHS did a did a study uh, for vehicles 2014 to 2016 model passenger vehicles. Um, which vehicle do you think, and it surprised me, had the lowest overall collision losses of any any car on the road? And I'm talking car. Oh boy, I would have no idea. In the words of my producer, wait for it. <laughs> the smart for two electric. What? The what? lowest overall collision losses. The little smart car. Yeah. That itty bitty thing that yeah. if you hit a squirrel, you're totaled, you're a quadruple. Well, never apparently, well, walk again. And, or if a semi hits you, you're flat as a pancake. Uh, brother, if a semi <laughs> you're a hits Rubik your Q. truck, it's 50 <laughs> 50. Yeah, well, yeah, but I, but again, my odds are 50 50. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, those aren't particularly great odds. Um, vehicle with the highest collision losses BMW i8 plug in, and obviously a trio of Bentley Continentals. Gee, what a shock. Wow. Now, Let's talk about, um, they looked at, they sorted lost results by vehicle size and type, and they showed by a different type, there's one other type that has lower than average costs for collision. And Sasha, you, in a messed up way, you could probably attest to this. Um, pickups and SUVs. <laughs> She's laughing because uh, she kind of had a snow incident with a pickup. I did. Did yes. more damage to her vehicle than the pickup. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yes, my yeah. tap tap the bumper uh, of the pickup. It's a little bit ruffled. She's got a whole fender and light assembly that's messed up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let me go here. Steel meets plastic. Steel yeah. one. Yeah. Well, that happens. The 4-2 Electric's overall collision losses are 58% lower than other passenger vehicles. Wow. Uh, Sasha, this is going to blow your mind. What's the next best vehicle in overall um, minimal collision losses? Swear, if you say... I'm going to. Uh... The Ram 1500 long wheelbase four-wheel drive. 53% 53% lower, followed closely by a very large pickup, the Ford F-250 four-wheel drive. And get this, in number four, the Kia Soul. What? An electric small station wagon. Wow. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Again, now, let's talk about personal injury while we're on this subject. Yeah, really, because really Ram quick. didn't do too well when they were doing their... Uh, in personal injury protection, okay. lowest claim frequency... Porsche 911, Chevrolet Corvette, Porsche Boxster, Mercedes-Benz E-Class Station Wagon, Mercedes-Benz SL-Class Convertible, Porsche Cayman, a Land Rover, uh, two more Corvettes, and Tesla Model S. Nice. Lowest claim frequency. And you would think of personal injury, these would be the highest. Mm -hmm. They're the lowest. Wow. Now, check this out. Highest claim frequency. A personal injury. Mitsubishi Lancer. Yep. Yeah. Here's a couple that blew my mind. The Chrysler 200. Yep. And the Dodge Charger two-wheel drive, the four-door Charger. Yeah. That blew me away. Now, it didn't say if it was the one equipped with the crazy engine, so we don't know that. But surprising studies on insurance, which basically means you need to beware 
and do the research. Find out how the vehicle you're looking at bears in an accident. It's going to affect your insurance prices. That's for absolute sure. Mm -hmm. Now, when we return, and we are coming back, a look at Amazon's driverless car program. It's further along than you think. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. This is the final installment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Welcome. I'm Ken Chester. Amazon. Increasingly, it's come to be known as much more than the mere online bookseller it was when it started 20 years ago. The company has reached into many parts, many different parts of the economy, often ending up upending the status quo along the way. It seems like so many other companies in this space, they are, they are or have turned their attention to the autonomous or self-driving car. And I'm not surprised at this turn. I've mentioned before, pretty much anybody, software, hardware, traditional automaker, parts manufacturer, or even a garage startup has jumped into this rapidly evolving whirlpool. It's every bit as important as the original invention of the car itself, at least in my opinion. Imagine for a moment what might happen if Amazon got serious. Okay, I'm listening. Okay. Let me give you this little tidbit. Let's go back to 2014 when Amazon had decided to actually put together a group to look at driverless vehicles. I'm, I'm letting that settle because that should, like, really freak out some people. Uh, and I misspoke. It wasn't 2014. It was 2016. Okay, so we're talking two years ago. Right. Formed a team of a dozen employees to focus on driverless vehicle technology and to develop the company's plan to use self-driving cars to better its business. Now, does that also include their drone program, or is that completely different? That's completely different. So okay. they, they put together some 12 just to find out how they could incorporate self-driving cars with delivering their product lines. Yeah, because once you get past the asset of the vehicle, yeah. what's the second highest cost? Employees. Labor. Yeah. If you can eliminate the labor, you can reduce the cost. If you can reduce the cost, you can become even more competitive yep. and use that as a competitive edge. But right now, the industry watchers are suggesting that Amazon's intentions are not noble. I know, right? Okay, so if I'm guessing, um, these people are looking at the fact that Amazon is probably going to be able to eliminate jobs. No. Okay, go. No. Where they're going is imagine for a moment, with all the money Amazon has paid for planes and trucks, mm -hmm. they want to supplant, replace, do away with UPS and FedEx to deliver their own stuff on their own terms. 
and encompass that world. Oh, yeah. Now. Okay. Now, bear in mind, UPS just announced spending $6.1 billion in capital upgrades for this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't you think for one moment that FedEx and UPS is sitting by the wayside going, oh, gee, we don't know. They're not going to take this lying down. No, they're not going to take it lying down. And let's face one thing, where we live, Mm -hmm. at our airport, both of those companies have sunk millions and millions of dollars in to facilities at our airport. Actually, UPS pulled out and went to Rockford. What? Yeah, about two years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm way behind things. Yeah. (laughs) But think about this. Amazon could use autonomous cars, trucks, forklifts, drones to move goods around warehouses and elsewhere. Because they want to figure out how they can use that technology to deliver packages more quickly. Consider this. Right now, if you are an over-the-road 18-wheel trucker, Mm -hmm. you are subject to federal laws that tell you in a 24-hour period how many hours you can drive. You can drive 10 hours, and you also have to take breaks in that 10 hours, and then you have to be off for, I think it's another 10. Imagine an autonomous truck that didn't have the same requirements, constantly moving. Yeah. Owned by Amazon from warehouse to warehouse. But Amazon also has that Amazon Prime where you get the free two-day shipping, right? Imagine. Right now. But right now. And they're also tinkering in some states, in some cities right now. Same day. In hours, not yeah. even same day. So, I mean, my point is, is that how many times have, how, how much is it costing them when they have to hire these third party to, you know, deliver their goods and be it weather, be it, you know, somebody messed up, be it driver, whatever, and it's delayed, and that person doesn't get it there by their two-day time. And then Amazon has to reimburse. If they cut out that third party altogether... Mm-hmm. Then they have complete control. They have complete control And if that. you get complete control, you can wring out cost. Yeah. According to this report, Amazon is particularly interested in autonomous trucking. Yep. But like we've said in this show many times over the last few years... You can't look at technology in a vacuum anymore. No. Nope. What Amazon learns from their studying the industry and their autonomous drones that they've tinkered with. And remember, I believe it was UPS that also did a test down in Tampa with the same. Imagine if the Tesla truck and Amazon got together. And formed little baby trucks. And they they could corner the market very quickly. Very, very, very Warehouse quickly. to warehouse, long-haul trucking. Instead of taking three days to get to the coast, you can do it in 18 hours because the driver never stops. That's true. Yep. And imagine if you're looking at 70 miles an hour on interstate and you can get around major cities without having to go through major cities, assuming weather and traffic. Imagine the kind of delivery times you could promise from the port at Long Beach to Chicago. Well, okay, the semi-trailer. Okay, right now, semi-trucks, there's certain cities that semi-drivers absolutely hate to visit, right? Amazon is building their big warehouses just on the outskirts of uh, these. Actually, not just Amazon. In Everybody. my trips around the country, it's the one thing you're seeing in the last five years, these ginormous warehouses. They're getting ready for this. Right. But I'm saying the semis will go there, and then from there, Amazon would have a smaller, like a FedEx-shaped truck 
that would actually or take UPS it. Truck or UPS truck shape, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, and again, Re- it would be autonomous. And remember the British company we talked about who could make those trucks to order. Yeah. Cheaply and quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That could go into town. Yep. I think that's what you're going to see. But imagine if Amazon decided to get into this in a big way, they could change so much of this. Uh, your, what we call the last mile delivery. Um, what we're seeing now with autonomous delivery to the house. Yep. Um, to warehouse to warehouse. To companies, they could decide to even expand and go be the delivery company for even other companies that have nothing to do with Amazon. And I think that's what I was just thinking. You know, places like Hy-Vee, Walmart, you know, and I know Walmart made a bid for the Tesla semi-trucks, but... Mm -hmm. Well, folks, it seems that that's all the time we have as this hour draws for a close. Be sure to join us next time when we discuss all things electric car. On behalf of me and the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.